praise the Lord just for who he is and what he does. Uh, man, holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. That's what we have to look forward to. We get to spend forever and eternity with him in heaven. Should we follow him? Should we choose to follow him and dedicate our lives to him? Be grateful for what he's done and who he is. What a blessing that he's been to us. A blessing he continues to be. Um, this morning we're going to continue our series in the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 11 this morning. I have a few questions for you. So um, it seems like we're kind of low energy because of the, the rain this morning. I want you to uh, listen to these questions and be thinking about how you will go about and answer them. The first question is, are you committed to serving the Lord? I'll accept some head nodding if you don't want to answer verbally. Are you committed to uh, serving the Lord? Next question. If you are, are you committed to doing your part in the kingdom of God? That's a little harder question to answer because that means you got to you got to put yourself out there. You got to do something. You got to put the one foot in front of the other. There is an obligation that is tied to that. I heard some of you are committed. The next question, if I shared with you the best way to reach people and grow his church, would you be interested to hear it? I hear some yeses, some head nodding. If I shared with you the best way to reach people and grow his church, would you be interested to hear it? This week in the, on the site, uh, My Christian Daily, they had an article that shared the best, least expensive way. That, I mean, our ears should perk up already. Least expensive? Okay. The best and least expensive way to grow your church. Are you ready for the answer? I'm not going to ask you to read the article. I'm just going to go directly to the punchline. Are you ready? No. Are you ready to hear the best and least expensive way to grow your church? According to this article in Christian Daily, that best and least expensive way is word of mouth. Word of mouth. The fastest growing churches in America are growing because they tell people about it. They go and tell their friends about it. They recommend it. They can't wait to share what God is doing at their local assembly. This is the key. Some of you look deflated. Like, is that it? But it's so simple that we miss it. It's so simple that well, it's got to be more than that. When, when I started pastoring, I reached out to some of my pastor friends and who had growing churches, and, and I'm like, well, I, I just want to know, can you share the secret with me of what you're doing in order to grow your church in the way that you are, the, the number of baptisms, the number of people that are growing spiritually? Can you share that with me so I can put into effect that first Baptist Bolingbroke? Most of them said the key to this is to preach the gospel. 
That's, that's my secret. That's what we're doing in order to grow, my, to grow the church. This is what I was told by numerous people that I asked this question of, and they said, well, I'm preaching the gospel. And as an outpouring of that, people are growing and they're going and telling people about it. Look how much has changed in my life. Look at all the transformation that's taking place in the lives of the people that I sit in the pews with. Look at all the, the changes that are happening in my community because of God's church. It might be simple, but it also may not be easy. For those of you on social media, you'll know that there are people that are considered influencers. This is a thing. People are paid to be in an influencer. 63% of consumers between 18 and 34 said that they trust in more in what influencers say than what the brand or ads are saying. An influencer is this person um, that has a large following on social media and brands reach out to them like Nike and, and others and say, hey, just talk about our stuff because they know that these influencers have power they have influence over their wide social media following. And so instead of looking at the commercials and the, you, know, you look at the Geico commercials and interesting things like that, while they might be funny and, and entertaining, more people are listening to the, the word of mouth of others when it comes to more, more things in the world today. People, you all know me, I'm a foodie. And so I have uh, not people here in the congregation, outside of the congregation, that say, hey, where, where's a good place to go for barbecue? Where's a good place to go for, for this? I'm not, a, I'm not an influencer, but they know I like food, and they've tried a place or two that I've recommended in the past. Like, yeah, he's, he's on to something. He don't miss too many meals, so he got to know what he's talking about. We are influencers in our own lives in different ways. So we, we, we're okay talking about uh, giving recommendations about restaurants to go to um, or movies to see, shops to shop at. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, got to wonder, are we influencers in that area or are we ashamed? Are we ashamed to talk about the gospel and Jesus Christ? When I was growing up, um, you know, you see celebrities in the commercials. And I remember Michael Jackson was in a Pepsi commercial, and I'm like, I just want some Pepsi now. I just want to be like Michael, right? Or Michael Jordan here, right, when he's going with, with Nike and all the other en endorsements that he had, right? People were wanting to do those things because they were influenced by those celebrities. I wonder who we're influencing. And not only that, I wonder what we're influencing them to is what we're influencing them to have any effect on their eternal salvation? Does it matter at all? Is it going to matter, and not, not just eternity, is it going to matter next week? We are all influencers to some extent. This morning in, in Acts chapter 11, we're going to continue to talk about that the, the gospel shows no partiality. The gospel is for everyone. We're continuing that. We talked about uh, Cornelius and his encounter with Peter, and we're going to continue in that story. But as we're thinking about uh, us as influencers of the gospel, we have to remember this, 
that the gospel is for everyone, that God has placed us in an area, given us responsibility to influence those people that he's put around us, regardless of their shape, creed, color, age, if it, it, you name it, regardless of any of those things, they're in your sphere of influence so that you can reach them for the gospel. Look with me in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Here God's word reads, Now the apostles and the, the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So Peter went up to Jerusalem. The circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Just like I'm talking about here, right? They didn't have social media back in the day. They didn't have newspapers or TV shows, but people were hearing about what was going on in the kingdom of God. This news about the Gentiles has spread like wildfire because it was controversial. You see, the Jews who were of the circumcision party felt like Peter had compromised on God and his God's laws. So if you remember back to Genesis 17 with Abraham, you remember that God's covenant sign was circumcision. So uh, a circumcised man would be identified as part of the offspring of Abraham. And this act of circumcision and its symbolic significance was uh, so ingrained in the mind of the Jews that for them, it was more than just a physical act. You know, for them, it was a, a moral responsibility. In order for you to be a follower of God, you had to go through circumcision and, and follow all the, the law. So fundamentally, circumcision is what made Israel different than the rest of the world. And it was a visible manifestation of their unique position in, with God's people. The circumcision party here in Acts, they knew and understood that Jesus was the Messiah. So they got that part and they understood that he was fulfillment of the prophecies that they had read from Scripture. They understood that he was the Lord and he was Savior and he was the Son of God. They got this part. They just didn't understand that salvation was not only for the Jews. They didn't understand that um, it was just not for the people who had waited years and years, but it was also for people who were not Jewish. It was for the Gentiles, which is what Gentile means. So you have Jews and you have everybody else. Everybody else is the Gentiles. Their objection was more than just racial prejudice, but it was moral in nature. They were uh, serious. They had a serious roadblock for them uh, when trying to come to terms about what it looked like to be a Christ follower. Man, I wish this died back then because we still struggle with this today. And where we have various roadblocks of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. These folks were concerned more about Peter eating with Gentiles than they were the fact that the Gentiles had received a word from God and decided to follow him. Like I said, I wish that this didn't happen anymore. But we can tell a similar story today where we're more concerned about so many other things than we are about the people choosing to follow Christ. That's our goal. That's our aim. We ought to be excited when somebody chooses to follow the Lord but he don't do it like we do. Uh, they don't, they don't uh, follow them the same tribe and, and they don't go to the same conferences that we do. 
but we don't rejoice like the angels do in heaven when, when somebody commits their life to following the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Peter clearly understands that he's got some explaining to do here. As they, they're, they're mad. They're, they're fired up. He's got to answer, what was he doing in a Gentile's home? And he's got to answer, why did he act the way he did when the Gentiles believed in the gospel? And so knowing this, he goes to explain um, what he saw in this vision and experience he has. Look with me in verse 4. It says, Peter began and explained to them in order. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheep descending, being led down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And it was all drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at the very moment, three men arrived at the house in, in which we were, sent, me, uh, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and your household. As he began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on, on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, and he said, John baptized with water, but you... You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance, and that leads to life. So, as we look at that passage, why was Peter in this Gentile's home? Peter says, because the Lord told me to. The Lord called me and told me to go to this place. And then the next question they had was, why should the church allow these Gentile believers? Because even without circumcision, the Lord gave them the Holy Spirit just as he had done to the Jewish believers in Acts 2. If you remember that, if you want to go back and review, uh, read Acts chapter 2 and look at how the Holy Spirit moved in that case. God, by his grace, gave tangible evidence of what he was doing. And he did so in such a way that, that it left no questions. That it was very clear as to how he was moving and who he was moving amongst and what his goal and purpose was. The lesson that we ought to take away. He was so clear as to what was happening. And this should sound familiar again as uh, we is a parallel to what happened in Pentecost at uh, chapter 2. So in the same way, Cornelius and his family as Gentiles were proven to have received the same gifts as the Jewish believers. So Peter asked a good question. He says, who am I to hinder what God is doing? 
as we look at our own lives, the judgments that we make, the thoughts that we have about people, who are you to hinder what God is doing? when we look at the people who are receiving Christ, or the, dare I say, people who are like Saul, who are uh, persecuting God's people. We just want to get them off the face of the earth. We want them to stop what they're doing and just to get rid of them. When our, our minds and our thoughts should be on, they need Jesus. They need to have the same thing that happened to Saul happened to them. My, what a way for us to rejoice, to, to see what's happening, uh, take what's happening in Afghanistan. If they were to hear the word of the Lord and be transformed and changed because of who God is, that should be our aim. That should be our goal. Who are we to stand in the way? But racial divisions stand in the way of God's way and, and the way they oppose the, the truth of the gospel. Not just these racial divisions, but also um, we've got age, uh, uh, circumstance, socioeconomic standards. There's so many things that stand in the way of what actually matters. If we look at it, Galatians chapter 2 in verse 11 through 14, it says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Before certain men came from James, he was eating with Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So that even Barnabas was led astray. The, the encourager was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? What an example it is for us and, and the danger that we have to be hypocritical. And that's why people don't like church people. That's why I'm, people, I'm not going to church because all those folks are hypocritical. They, they act one way on Sunday, but on Saturday night, where were they? What were they doing on Saturday night and Friday night? They, they ain't no better than me. They walk around with their head down and, and, and nothing is, is happening. And they out here cursing and drinking and uh, cavorting around. Why, why would I want to serve a God? Because it's not doing nothing for them. But well, here we are, and we're going through, and we try to have this, this pious life. You ain't got to try. And we are a work in progress. We're all sinners in need of a Savior, and we're, we're all in the midst of this, this sanctification process where the, the Lord is making us more and more like him should we follow him in steps of obedience, that we are, are praying with him, we're reading his scripture, and we, we're asking him to change us. We're asking him to set us apart we're asking him to give us courage to be the people that he's called us to be when it's not easy. Man, but we see these just, well, it happens to the best of us. 
But when you see your brothers, that's why we don't want to be. That's why I ask those questions in the middle. Are you are you committed to doing what God has called you to do? Because your brother or sister might have to call you out one day. And that's why it got so quiet in here earlier. And this accountability that we have when we put ourselves out there, that when I am walking down the wrong path and not being who God called me to be, but if I'm going to be committed to this, I'll be okay with somebody. Hey, hey, Pastor Vaughn, um, you know, I noticed some things about you lately that I think we need to address. Somebody needs to come and call me out to my face so that we can get back on it. We need to be open to it, not... They're not, people might not always be right, but we need to search inside, like, is, is that really what's going on with me? Am I really going astray in these areas of my life? Am I, when I'm, I'm not really serving the Lord in the way that I ought to? It's not punitive. It, it should be encouraging that somebody loves you enough that they want to, to, to come to you lovingly and and, and, and have some correction or give you something to think about. Say, hey, man, I've been praying for you that this would change in your life, that you would be encouraged in these areas. Here what we see in the text is what Peter is doing. He's clearly, it all has God's stamp of approval on it. And those who pro- opposed it, they, they were in direct opposition to what God is doing. So it wasn't Peter that they they had a problem with. And this is what I tell people. Hey, I'm going to be here. I'm going to preach the gospel. When I am out having conversations about what Scripture says, I'm telling them, this. thus saith the Lord. Like, you can be mad at me all you want, but I'm not the, the one who's saying it. I'm the messenger. Well, I can't believe you would believe something like that and how hurtful that is to me. Like, I'm just, this is what God says. I'm truly sorry that you might feel hurt by it, but you've got to know the truth. And when Scripture says the truth, she'll set you free. And we want to be nice and make everybody feel good, but we're making them feel good all the way to hell. And that's not what we're here about. Peter's explanation causes the Jewish believers to give glory to God for granting repentance in the life of the Gentiles. Praise God for that. Peter's like, look at here. This is, this is what happened. Here's the vision that I had. And, and here's what happened because of that. Here's what God is doing. Remember, the fastest growing churches are growing by word of mouth because they are recognizing what God is doing amongst their midst, just like Peter did here. And he's going to share that. And what was the outcome? Praise God that God is at work even among the Gentiles. Even among these people that we we have never really associated closely with. And they would get to know the name of the Lord. Here's what I want you to take away today. It's that, that Jesus shows hospitality to all people and we should imitate him. As we talk about growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we talk about thriving as a body of believers and serving Bolingbrook in the greater community. This picture of hospitality is wrapped up in the thriving that we talk about. This is what thriving looks like for us. So we, we not only open the doors for our brothers and sisters, but we also invite the Corneliuses 
in our lives. We invite them over as well. We invite our neighbor, neighbors. We, we invite our, our co-workers, our friends and, and families in this hospitality. And the question is, will you allow God to use you to reach the people he needs to reach, the people that he wants to reach, the Corneliuses in your life? Will you allow God to use you to reach those people? In a sermon on this topic, John Piper, who is the chancellor of Bethlehem Seminary, had this to say. He says, let us wash our minds and our mouths of racial slurs and ethnic put-downs and be done with all the alienating behaviors. And let's be the good Samaritan for some ethnic outcast. And let's be the Christ for some untouchable leper and let's be the Peter for some waiting Corneliuses. This is powerful. Jesus commands us to share the gospel with everyone. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for when it comes to sharing the gospel? Peter gives us an example here as to what we, you and I, are supposed to do. We must preach the gospel. Romans 1 and 16 tells us that we should not be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek or the Gentile. I want to read you a poem that I just ran across a couple weeks ago, and I believe it will knock your socks off this morning. It's from an unknown author, and it's called A Voice from Hell. It says, you lived next door to me for years. We shared our dreams, our joys, and tears. A friend to me you were indeed, a friend who helped me when in need. My faith in you was strong and sure. We had such trust as should endure. No spats between us ever rose. Our friends were like and so are foes. What sadness then, my friend, to find that after all you weren't so kind. The day my life on earth did end, I found you weren't a faithful friend. For all those years we spent on earth, you never talked about of second birth. You never spoke of my lost soul and of the Christ who made me whole. I plead today from hell's cruel fire and tell you now my least desire. You cannot do a thing for me. No words today, my bonds will free. But do not err, my friend, again. Do all you can for souls of men. Plead with them now quite earnestly, lest they be cast in hell with me. <sighs> wow. If you personify that for yourself and your life, I mean, I would hate to think that somebody that I know would be able to say these words to me that 
And he's like, you actually didn't really care about me at all because you never talked about my eternal life. You never talked to me about who Jesus Christ is and, and, and what he has done for me. And here, I hope there's some, if there's anybody in your life that might be able to say that to you, there's time for you to correct that. Just like it says at the end, it says, do not err again, my friend. Do all you can for souls of men. We have time and opportunity here Brothers and sisters, do not doubt the power of the gospel. You must have full confidence in, uh, as, as you share it, that, that everyone, you must be able to share it with everyone you come into contact with and have confidence that the Lord will give you the words to say and how to say them. You might, not to say that they're going to come to, to, to faith in that moment, but you might be a part of that process. You might just be uh, planting a seed for somebody else to come by and water. You might be watering for, for somebody else to come through later and, and harvest. And they, they finally come to terms because of all these building blocks that people care for them enough that they stepped outside of themselves to share Jesus with them. Take notice of what God is doing here at First Baptist Bolingbrook. People are growing. They're growing in their faith. They're growing in the Lord. They're asking great questions. They're taking on more responsibilities. How, how can I serve the Lord in this capacity at this local church? How can I serve the Lord outside here? What are some ways that I can benefit? How can I serve the Lord by giving back to him financially? All those things are happening here. We need to take notice. We need to get excited about it and not stop there. We need to go and tell others. Man, I, I came to church this, this on, on Sunday. Man, and they resealed the parking lot. I've never seen the, the yellow lines on the parking lot ever in my life. And here it is, bright and, and inviting. Man, and the stuff is going, going on there. I see all these cars outside, and, and when I get in, you know, we're, we're singing, and we got such a great worship team, man. It just makes me think, and the words are just resonating with me as I sing. It's such a great place to be. They're not ashamed to open up the scriptures and, and say what God has said, and they don't give any, any uh, apologies for it. Man, what a great place that is to be. We need to take notice. We need to tell others. And if we notice, it happened to Jesus all the time. When, when Jesus was walking this earth, they didn't, they didn't come to see Jesus because they saw him on the billboard. They saw him on the commercials or, or heard about him on social media. They, everybody was talking about Jesus. They're like, I got to go see this guy. I got to go see this person they call Jesus and all the things. I got to see it for myself, what he's doing who he is, because if what they're saying is true, I need to know him. I need to know this man named Jesus. Brothers and sisters, think about how good God is. By his grace, he converts and saves a man like Saul. He saves immoral people like the Samaritan woman at the well. He said, uh, he said to this religious man named Cornelius, who by all accounts appeared as if he had everything together, he came and he saved him. 
He even saved a wretch like me. He can and he will do the same for you. Man, what a great God that we serve. If you've got questions today, I'm going to be here up front and uh, be able to fill those questions. I'll be here to pray with you and pray for you, but encourage you here today. Let's, let's stand on. Let's, let's see our church grow, not just for the numbers. I want to see this church grow spiritually. And like we talked about, like we see in Scripture, it depends on you. It depends on the word of mouth that you going and sharing, going and not being ashamed or afraid and standing on who God is and what he's done for you. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for uh, giving us this direct object lesson about uh, what it is that we should have our eyes set on, uh, how you have uh, used your people in the past and, and, and how you use us here today. Father God, help us to look to you for the strength and courage for everything that we need. And um, it's easy for us to talk ourselves out of things. The evil one is at, at play and he just wants to divert our attention away from you. But um, uh, please continue to work on us and, and put us back on the, the narrow path and do what it is that you called us to do. And help us to start bit by bit. So just like we're working out a muscle that we become stronger and stronger in sharing the good news so that people might hear your name be proclaimed and their life would be, be changed. Father, uh, help us to, to go out here and be influencers of the gospel. To go out and, and talk about what you are doing in our own lives and the lives of the, the community here that we have at First Baptist Bolingbrook. And, and, and even bigger, what you're doing in this, in this country and in the world so that lives might be changed, that people might come to you through saving faith. We thank you for all these things that you're doing, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.